Today's Mom 2.0 episode on That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast, is a keynote stage appearance at the conference in Scottsdale, Arizona by Austin Channing Brown, best-selling author, public speaker, producer, and founder and CEO of Herself Media. She brings justice, joy, and celebration to Black womanhood and shares anecdotes about serving as multicultural liaison for Calvin College, tackling systemic issues like racism, social justice, and homelessness, and raising her young son. The keynote is moderated by Tabitha St. Bernard Jacobs, a Trinidadian American activist, organizer, artist, and mom of two. She is a leading voice on anti-racist parenting and writes about raising multicultural children in today's America. She's been published in Fashionista, Cafe Mom, and consulted on the book Little Activists with Penguin. Good morning. Um, I'm Kristen Howerton, and that little song felt like a nice intro into our keynote this morning, which is about elevating joy. That felt very joyful. Um, I am really thrilled to be introducing the next two speakers. I'm a longtime fan of both of them. They are both incredible writers, activists, advocates. Um, They have both dedicated their careers to advocating and really making the world a better place and teaching the rest of us to try to do the same. Um, They have an incredible perspective on parenting and what true anti-racism looks like, which I've learned a ton from both of them. I know they've been guideposts for a lot of us in this room. They are passionate, they are experts in their field, and they have a great commitment to making our kids be safer in the world. First, we've got Austin Channing Brown, right? She's a media producer, author, and speaker. She's a powerful voice in the realm of social justice and equality. She is the CEO of Herself Media, where she leads a team passionate about telling stories that deeply resonate with women who long for more pleasure and delight. And who does not long for more pleasure and delight? For real, who doesn't? I'll talk to you later and find out how you're doing that. Um, She's also the New York Times bestselling author of I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. If you have not read this, this is your time. It is such an incredible book. Her writing is both deeply personal, but also really resonant. She weaves together personal stories, historical context, and insightful commentary to gently confront her readers with their own biases. She's an incredible author. She recently released her Young Readers edition of I'm Still Here. So if you have younger kids, it's a really great book. She is warm, she's funny, and she's smart, which for me is the perfect trifecta of a writer. She's a force to be reckoned with, and her writing is a must read for anybody seeking to dismantle racism and oppression. We're also gonna be hearing from Tabith St. Bernard Jacobs. She is a Trinidadian American parent and award-winning artist, writer, consultant, and organizer. She does it all. Um, She is a leading voice on parenting anti-racist children and writes with honesty and vulnerability about raising multiracial children in today's America. She is the author of a bi-weekly column on Romper called Raising Anti-Racist Kids. Again, if you have not checked it out, it is such an incredible resource. Her writing can also be found in Parents, Good Housekeeping, She Knows, and more. 
She consulted with Penguin on the children's book, Little Activists, another incredible resource for parents. She wrote the first chapter on raising an anti-racist baby for the book, 100 Diverse Voices on Parenthood. She's the founder of Tabby Just Strategies, which is a boutique consulting firm focusing on dismantling racism. She was awarded one of Glamour Magazine's 2017 Women of the Year and also awarded one of the 200 women who will change the way you see the world. And she's done that for me. With her unique perspective, passion, and expertise, she has become an influential leader and inspiration for activists and writers alike. I think you're gonna enjoy hearing from both of these women. They're gonna be talking about elevating joy, and I think, I feel confident we're all gonna leave empowered and inspired. Come on out, ladies. Okay, awesome. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. I had a chance to meet so many of you over the last couple of days, and this conference is just incredible. Have you been having a good time? Oh my gosh, so much fun. Yeah. Although I didn't realize how high this slit is in the front. <laughs> and you I'm very the... concerned that all of you are gonna get a special show. <laughs> you gotta do the side, That's right. I'm like, the side yeah. thing. <laughs> I don't know, maybe the people want a show. <laughs> So, Austin, I am so excited to be here with you yes. today in conversation. I read a lot of books for the work that I do. Sure. And um, when I knew that I was going to be interviewing you, I was like, okay, I'm going to read her book. I want to read both books. And I was like, okay, I'm going to squeeze it in between. You all know the time when you put your kids to bed and you actually go to bed, that little sliver of time we actually have to yourself. And... Uh, I actually neglected my children, the house, everything, and I read your book in two days. It was so incredible. The book was powerful. It resonated so much with, with me and with so, so many people around me. And I also felt like you, re you wrote the book for young readers for sure, but I also felt like it was really great for busy moms. You packed in the lessons in punches. Right. So you were able to read it and put it down and come back to it and return to the place that you were at before. So you ended the book talking about joy, mm -hmm. the power of black joy. Yes. And you took us through sort of a journey with, with yourself in your life around how you were able to elevate your own joy and right. claim your own voice. Mm -hmm. And these lessons, as I said, great for young people, but also great for moms as well. Yeah. Can you, one of the things that really resonated with me very early on in the book was you talking about the power of mentors. Yes. And you talked about specifically Mrs. Gildorf, mm -hmm. who was one of your former teachers. Mm -hmm. And uh, you and your friends would come together and you would sing. <laughs> And she would give you this space within the school schedule, within yeah. your, your daily schedule, to just find joy and community right. with each other. And you describe that space as sacred. Mm -hmm. And you say the force was noticeably absent. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about how mentors mm -hmm. throughout your life have really helped you reaffirm yourself and yeah. find your voice and elevate your joy? Yeah, so um, so I've spent a good deal of time in predominantly white spaces, right? And um, they're they're tricky. <laughs> they're tricky. <laughs> um, 
And what I have found as I've been navigating um, those spaces throughout my entire life is that they don't have to suck. Like, like they, they can, but they don't have to. <laughs> and so one of the stories that I talk about in the book is being in elementary school where our music teacher pulled the three black girls in our class out of our regular classroom in order to um, just give us the space to sing. Now, friends, we could not actually sing. <laughs> it was a very important note, okay? There were no concerts. We did not perform anywhere. This was just an opportunity for us to be together. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what happens is people get offended when people of color and black women in particular just want to be together. As opposed to seeing it as fertile ground mm -hmm. for us to be who we are right and that is so important and it made all the difference now here's the truth y'all i can't say with any degree of certainty that every black girl who went through that school felt a sense of belonging mm -hmm. i have no idea i don't know that mrs gilstorf changed the entire school right what i do know is she deeply impacted three black girls and I think that's really important because sometimes we feel like the burden of anti-racism is to save the whole world, right? So if you care about education, you gotta, you gotta save the whole educational system. If you care about health, you gotta change the whole healthcare system. If you, right? But that is so unrealistic. You are not superwoman, right? So what can you do that's already in your realm of influence, that's right where you live or work, that is a part of what you're already doing, that can create a sense of solidarity for the people who are already in your world. Mm -hmm. Because that's what Mrs. Gilstorf did for us. Mm -hmm. And I think about the impact on you all as young, impressionable children, mm -hmm. and what that said for you at that point in time, but also what that meant for you as you were growing older to yes. have that space. And I think about, you know, so many of us, we, we both do social justice work mm -hmm. and, you know, we, we do it in many different forms, but some people tend to be intimidated by the idea of like activism sure. with the big A. Sure. And it's not always, done in big, huge acts. Sometimes it's really small acts of solidarity that could That's be right. super powerful as well. Well, I think what people don't realize is that most of us who do identify as activists in one way or another, activist, advocate, we also feel like we're not doing enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to be very clear, right? Mm -hmm. So I am a writer and I regularly have to remind myself that just because I'm not leading the protest doesn't mean that I'm less of an activist. Right because I shouldn't be leading the protest. If I lead the protest, we'll be walking down the wrong street. <laughs> right, I wanna be very clear. Whoever organized this conference, they should be leading the protest, okay? <laughs> Not me. I'll give a really good speech at the protest, right? That's what I'll do. Mm -hmm. And so I think we really have to think about the, our own giftedness mm -hmm. and what we can naturally bring to the table, what we perhaps have even been called to bring to the table instead of um, creating this hierarchy of what real activism right. is, mm -hmm. right? And there's space for all of us. There's space for the big acts, the small acts. That's the everything. only reason it works, mm -hmm. right? The reason that I can just write is because someone else is doing the protest. Right. 
right? And so whoever is in the classroom and whoever is in the hospital room and whoever is in the attorney's room and whoever is in the blogging room, right? We need all of us. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the reason it works, mm -hmm. right? And that's the reason why you can focus on what is yours to do because you can trust that the woman next to you is also doing what she is called to do. Right. That's so powerful. And I think about the fact that so many of you all that I've met over the last couple of days have small businesses. Yes. Some of you are influencers. Some of you, like we have sponsors here who have larger businesses. Um, and my question to you is, how can we, how can we infuse this into our business practices mm. from the really small businesses to the much larger ones? Yeah, so first I would say we, we have to start with our own value and our own ethos. I can't give you your value system, right? But if you say that you um, believe in equality, then I want to see that reflected in your suppliers. Mm -hmm. If you say you believe in equality, I want to see that reflected in the people you are interviewing. If you say you believe in equality, I want to see that reflected on your girls' trips. Hello, somebody. Mm. Can I get a ticket? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? That I, I just want you to live out what you say you believe. Right? What do you believe about the world? What do you believe about fellow womanhood? What do you believe about sisterhood? Because that should show up not just in the, the performance of your creative business, right? It should show up in how you do business. And that is the exciting part. That's, that's where all the life is. The life is in how we do this together. And then the rest of the world gets to benefit from that work that we did together. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is your product will be better. Uh huh. Your product will be better when you infuse it with diversity. Mm -hmm. There, um, I should not say this. I should not, but I'm going to say anyway. It. Say it. I'm going to anyway. There is a brand. I genuinely don't know the name of it because it ain't for me. And the way I know it's not for me, it's a makeup brand. The way I know it's not for me is that every single picture is of a white woman. Mm -hmm. All of them. The, the little drawings, the actual photos, all of them <laughs> are white women. And that tells me that I should not be buying your product. That your product, quite literally, is not for me. And that's okay. I have lots of options. Right? So I'm not even offended by it. But I need you to ask yourself the question, is what you're doing, is it for all women? Mm -hmm. Or is it just for the women who look like you? And then make peace with that. Okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> if it is just, you know, if it is just for the ones who look, at, who look like you, go with God. Right? Go deeper. Right? So what does that mean? Maybe that doesn't just mean white women, but maybe that means uh, white women who have autistic children. Right? Maybe that, like, I, I can't tell you who your audience is, but I can tell you who your audience could be. I can tell you who they could be, but not by yourself. You cannot do it by yourself. You need the voices and the input and the mentorship, mm -hmm. right, of other women. And the more you put yourself around other women, the better your product will be to reach the masses. Mm -hmm. Because as much as we love to say, 
that like we're all the same. We not, mm -hmm. we not all the same, y'all. And that's okay, you know, that's okay. In fact, I would argue it's something to be celebrated because I don't want, you don't want, I don't want a bunch of Austins in the world. <laughs> the world doesn't need that. One is enough. <laughs> One's enough, Tabitha. <laughs> Enough. I would take two, though. Would you? I, would take I two. don't know. I'm raising a little boy, so we'll see what we get, y'all. <laughs> you also talk about racial justice work as being risky yes. and messy. Yes. And it's not, it's not simple. It's not straightforward. But I mean, being a mom is messy. Hello. It's, it's not simple. It's not straightforward. How can we? find a path to racial justice through the messiness of being moms? Yeah, I, I mean, moms, we, <laughs> we on a daily basis deal with the hardest things in the world, and then we have to explain that world. Mm -hmm. This is what moms do. And racial justice is not like rocket science. It's messy mm -hmm. and it's risky. I can't tell you how to do it without getting in trouble. I can't tell you how to do it and still have everybody like you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how to do it and never make a mistake, right? But hello, somebody, we're moms. Aren't we used to doing all the above? Right? We know how to make mistakes and keep going. We know how to fix, how to tweak something that isn't working. Mm -hmm. We know how to ask new questions. We know how to stop the whole room, whole room, and go a different direction. And that is what the work of racial justice is. It is being in a room where you see something happening, where someone is not being treated equally, and saying, I'm about to shut this whole room down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm about to shut the whole room down. Mm -hmm. Right? And so many of us have learned how to do these things in other areas of our life. And all I'm asking is that you bring it over to racial justice too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. And I wanna add one note there as a mom, yes. as a woman, that it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. <laughs> it doesn't that? mean that you have to aim for perfection. That's right. That it's okay if you don't get it right, even the first, second, third time, as long as you keep coming back to it over and over and over again. You know, it, it, the truth is, the number one question that I get from white women who wanna participate in racial justice really is, how do I do this without ever causing harm or hurt or doing anything incorrectly? <laughs> And, and, and here's what I want to tell all of you. You've already messed up. Mm, mm, mm. You have already said something inappropriate. <laughs> you have already offended somebody. Like, it's already happened. And yet, here you still are. Mm -hmm. You're still here, right? And so you don't have to shrink. You don't have to shrivel up because you made a mistake, right? What would you tell your children when they make a mistake? Do you want them to just go run and hide? Right? So, so we have to model the same thing that we're saying that we want for our children and our communities, right? So when you make a mistake, 
damn, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I sure didn't mean to do that. And I promise I'm not ever going to do it again. Mm -hmm. And move on. There's not one black woman or woman of color who expects you to be perfect. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not real. That's not realistic. And I am not. I am still learning. I am still growing. I am still reading. I am still changing my language. I am still figuring things out, right? This is a journey for all of us. And perfection, I am convinced, is, is an outgrowth of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. It's an outgrowth of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. But nobody in here is superior to anybody else, mm -hmm. which means we are all gonna mess up. The beautiful thing is that we also get to reconcile and we get to learn and we get to heal and we get to chart a new way forward because we have learned something about ourselves. And that is what makes racial justice so invigorating. That's why people stay in it because it transforms who you are and it transforms our relationships with one another. Mm -hmm. And it gives us a deep sense of purpose mm -hmm. both for ourselves but also our communities, whether that is your family life or your business life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so powerful. So I want to shift gears for a second. Mm -hmm. In the book, you talk about um, living as a joyful act. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're here talking about elevating our joy today. Yes. And that really landed for me. Oops, mm -hmm. sorry. That, that really landed for me in a really powerful way. Because mm -hmm. as a black woman, yes. sometimes living in my own skin, yes using my voice, my accent, yes. my hair, my skin color is seen as a defiant act. It's right. seen as a revolutionary thing to right. be a black woman in a white-centered country. Mm -hmm. Can you talk for us about how we as a society, many business owners here, what is really needed for us black women mm -hmm. to not feel that way, to not feel like who we are naturally is a revolutionary act. Yeah. I think there is something revolutionary about blackness, mm -hmm. right? I think all the black women in here, you are a walking revolution. But not because of your work, not because of what you do, because you are still here. That's why you're a walking revolution. You're a walking revolution because you should be shrinking. You're a walking revolution because you should be hiding. You're a walking revolution because you're supposed to be ashamed, right? That is the way America has built itself. It has built itself with the assumption that we are inferior. And so every day that you show up, every day that you defy that lie, you are a walking revolution. Mm -hmm. But what is not necessary is that you become the superwoman of America, mm -hmm. okay? Black women, we out here saving democracy. We out, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh my goodness, I just, I have a five-year-old I can't keep up with. You want me to save democracy? <laughs> right? And so, and, and that's where joy comes in. Right, is that I don't want you to feel like you have to be the revolutionary. Mm. I just want you to know that you are a revolution and part of that revolution must be joy. Because sometimes what we think 
unintentionally is that is that we get to um, we get to live our lives like playing cards. Mm. And if I just give you a couple cards of my joy, then maybe I'll get some justice in return. But that's not how it works. You give away your joy, you're just gonna be joyless. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so how do we then infuse our lives with joy? How does that become quite literally a part of who we are? Because black women are funny. Okay? We can, we can make a joke about anything. <laughs> The more inappropriate, the better, okay? We can preach our faces off. If you need a mentor, you ain't gonna find a better one than a black woman, okay? But what I need is for, is for you to let go of the monochromatic models that have been handed to you. Because every single woman that you look up to, every single ancestor that you, are, that you, you know, idolize, that you are trying to follow in the footsteps of, not only did they do all this revolutionary work, but they also cooked meals and sat mm-hmm. and ate with their families. Mm-hmm. And they also laughed really hard long into the night. And they also fell in love and learned how to receive love. And they also danced their asses off, mm-hmm. right? And so my, my question for you is how then, in the midst of all that's happening, and there's so much happening, how do you not sacrifice yourself, which is what we're taught is to be revolutionary? Instead of sacrificing yourself, how do you show up as your full self? Mm-hmm. And that includes your joy. Mm-hmm. And part of showing up as your true self is claiming space. Yes. And I think that as black women, we're often told that we should not take up space, that we should not claim space. Mm-hmm. And in the book, you talk about this first, the first instance that you sort of felt like you were claiming your own space. And it was a very small act. It was. I actually heard you talk about this in an interview and I was like, I have to bring this up. I'm gonna let you tell it. Yes. I'm gonna let you tell it. Okay, so again, predominantly white schools in elementary school, okay, friends? And there were a lot of things that I was trying to figure out about white people when I was a kid, okay? And I, I did, I was trying to figure, I didn't understand, but I was like, something is different here. And difference number one, hair, mm. okay? I was like, mine, mine does like a lot of things, right? It, it, but mostly it defies gravity. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and white girls, their ponytails were always swishing, right? And I was like, this seems like a very key difference. <laughs> um, and then another was food, okay? So like, like I would make macaroni and cheese at home and then I would go to a cafeteria and they would have macaroni and cheese on the menu. I'd be like, these two things ain't the same. (laughs) This is not the same. This macaroni is like running. It's like (laughs) running away from me, right? It's supposed to stand up. I don't understand, right? Somebody was like, we gonna get some sweet potatoes and I was looking for some candied yams. I got a whole sweet potato on my plate. I was like, okay, clearly there are some differences here, you know? 
Um, but one thing that used to drive me absolutely crazy was how white women's hair sheds everywhere. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh my Lord. <laughs> it would be on the water fountain. It would be in the sinks. It would be on the desks. I'm like, I can't go nowhere without finding. Oh, I, Lord have mercy. And one day I had just had it, Tabitha. I was like, I am so sick of this. And so there was a, a, a young girl, you know, same age, sitting in front of me and her ponytail was on my desk. And all she had to do, y'all, was one of these. You know what I'm saying? Like just a little pony around her shoulder, so, right? But she wouldn't do it, she wouldn't do it. And, and I was like, you know what? I am so tired. Like white people have all this space mm -hmm. in this school and all I want is my desk. That's all I want, that's it. So I picked up my little number two pencil and I flipped it around to the eraser side and I used it to move that child's hair off my desk so that it hung between the two desks, okay? And <laughs> it was so simple. That child didn't even know I was messing with her ponytail, okay? She didn't know. But for me, it was such an empowering moment mm -hmm. of saying this right here, this little two feet that I am occupying is mine. Yeah. It's mine. Mm -hmm. Now you can have your, I'm not trying to take your spot, mm -hmm. right? I want you to have a desk. I want you to have your spot, but I also want to have mine. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the first acts of me saying, this right here is my space, mm -hmm. right? I am on stage right now, and you better believe I would walk across this whole thing if, okay, because right now, this is mine, <laughs> okay? You all are at my mercy right now, all right? It is a gift when I decide to step down and let somebody else come up, all right? Right? But also, what I bring to the table companies need, mm -hmm. writers need, readers need, children need, teenagers need, right? That I am very clear on what I don't bring, which is why I need my sisters, because there's a whole lot of stuff that I don't bring to the table. Mm -hmm. If we need a singer, y'all shouldn't look at me, <laughs> okay? But I am also very clear about what I do bring to the table. And because I am confident in what I do bring to the table, I know not just that um, it's okay for me to take up space, but it's important. There is every possibility that right now I am changing someone's life. Mm -hmm. And I do not take that as something to just be thrown away. Mm -hmm. Y'all paid good money to be here. And so when I am up here, I am going to give you my absolute best. But the same happens when I show up in the boardroom and the same happens when I sit at your desk, the same happens during the Zoom call because I believe that when I bring my most giftedness and connect it to your giftedness, mm -hmm. that we are gonna create something unimaginable, something the world has never seen before. And my God, does the world need something new. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's the power of black womanhood. Yes. Yes. It, listen, if you are now, okay, I'm going to say this, but what I do not mean, here's caveat, do not leave this place and go find yourself a black girlfriend. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do, don't do that. Don't do that. 
I wish I could look all of you in the eye right now. Don't do that. But if you recognize that you are living a life that doesn't have any diversity in it, mm -hmm. then I need you to rethink some of the spaces that you're in. Yes. Yes. I need you to rethink some of the spaces that you're in. How can we, I have two kids. My mm -hmm. kids are eight and three. Yeah. And I ha, my, my little girl is three. And I'm always thinking about how can I teach her yes. to claim that space, to yes. take up that space? How do you teach your, your, your son to take up space? My baby is five, okay? And um, he is a rough and tumble, karate kicking, jump off the couch backwards kind of five-year-old, okay? That's what I've got As home. they should be. It's delightful most days. <laughs> he's, he's absolutely magical, right? He also has a very particular personality type, and so do all of your children, right? I know when my son is nervous. I know when my son is unsure of himself. I can see in his eyes, I can see it in his observance when he is trying to figure out what all the other kids are doing so he mm -hmm. can figure out what he should be doing too, mm -hmm. right? And so part of my work is teaching him to trust himself. One of the ways that we do that in a very small way, but he's learning to read and he will often read as a question, as if every word is a question, right? So be like, we're going to the summit, <laughs> right? Like, yes, baby, that word is summit, but you don't need to ask it like a question because you read it mm -hmm. and you know what that says, don't you? So try reading it again, right? Mm -hmm. But that is truly all we're doing, but you have to know your own child and what it is that your child needs, right? And that's why it's so hard to write books on parenting because we're all raising a different personality, mm -hmm. right? And we all have a different personality that is responding to said personality, right? And so unfortunately, as much as I would love to give like a 10-step a program for like raising a kid, I can't. I can't, I have exactly one who's five. I should not be writing a children's book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a book on raising children. That's not my lane. What I can say though, is that I know what it means to raise a black boy in America. And I know what it means to teach him that his skin is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I know what it is to affirm those big brown eyes. And I know what it is to play uh, John Coltrane during his bath time. Mm. And I know what it is to be purposeful about buying books that have black boys succeeding in them. And I know what, y'all know what I mean? That there is so much to be learned from the way black mothers are raising their kids. Because there's so much that we have to do in order to prepare them for a society that will not see them. Mm -hmm. And so every little thing that we can be doing, we must. But I believe that you know your girl. Mm -hmm. And that when she looks at you, and you look back at her, that you will say the exact right thing for her. Yeah, that's powerful. I'm sure you gleaned several enlightening takeaways from this keynote. 
Thank you to Austin and Tabitha for your thoughtful discussion at the Mom 2.0 Summit. This episode was powered by Rode Microphones, produced by Ryan White and Allison Marino, and edited by Britain Media. You can follow the speakers at Austin Channing, Tabitha STB, and Mom 2 Summit. And my handle is Kanika Chadda Gupta on Instagram. You can watch the episode on YouTube or my website, that's totalmomsense.com, and also featured on mom2.com. Subscribe to That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast, wherever you listen, and leave a rating and review. Thank you for being a part of my tribe and our community at large. I'll see you soon.